1: the answer yes indeed it is and a good morning to you thanks for being with us as we get rolling at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this friday it is the seventh morning of the eighth month of the year of our lord 2020 and we've got a very very important show for you today a couple of important guests coming up on the program as well starting in about it uh, well no i'm sorry big uh, let me back that up Starting in 40 minutes at 9.48, we are going to be talking with uh, Dr. John Davidson from Case Western Reserve University and University Hospitals. He's got a response to an article run, an op-ed in the USA Today run by three of his colleagues, three Case Western Reserve University professors. One, a professor of medicine and the another, a professor of law, the other, a professor of bioethics. They wrote an op-ed in the uh, USA today, declaring that we can only defeat COVID-19 by requiring vaccination for all. Let me say that again. Not offering vaccination for all, requiring vaccination for all. It is not un-American, they say in the headline. It is patriotic. Among the suggestions by these three case professors, make vaccines free, do not allow religious or personal objections, and punish those who won't be vaccinated because they are threatening the lives of others. I read this last night, and I I, I I could feel my face turning red. I was not in front of a mirror, but I knew my face was turning red. I, 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 unbelievable. I'm going to read this in thing to you in its entirety shortly, probably around 935. So we have a setup for Dr. Davidson who's going to come on, who is pro-vaccine himself, by the way. I talked to Dr. Davidson. He is pro-vaccine. He thinks everybody should be vaccinated, but it must be by choice, and no one should be mandated to do anything or much less punished if they do not. This is an incredible explanation of why I and so many other millions of Americans have resisted the mask idea. Making masks mandatory for all, many of us have said, is the precursor to making vaccinations mandatory for all. Do not accept it. If you give the federal government an inch Or even your state governments if you give them an inch of your liberty away they will take a hundred and fifty thousand miles if you make let them make you cover your face they will in short order make you roll up your sleeve and you have no earthly idea what they're putting into you or how it will affect you in the long term This is an incredible story, and we're going to talk about it again with Dr. John Davidson coming up at uh, 9.48. Then a little bit later on in the program, we are going to be talking with Rick Green, who is going to be talking to us about citizen defense, meaning... How do you defend yourself if you find yourself turning down the wrong road and into one of these protest rallies in which they surround your car, maybe get up on your car, start banging on your windows and scaring the living daylights out of you because we have seen people's vehicles being attacked and people pulled from those vehicles being assaulted? What do you do? If you drive forward and potentially hit them, you could uh, wind up the, uh, the one in jail as opposed to one of the attackers. What do you do? How do you defend yourself? Rick Green is going to be talking to us about that in the 10 o'clock hour at 1035. So uh, those are the two guests, and we have a lot of very important things to talk about today, and none more important than the revelation. Hey, let me back that up. Not a revelation. We've known this for a long time. It's not a revelation. This is just the latest example, the latest evidence of Joe Biden's racism. It is just simply comical, truthfully, it is comical that we are less than 90 days away from an election in which the Republican candidate for president, Donald Trump, is the one who is accused of being a racist by the mainstream media. It's comical. Without any evidence whatsoever, and in fact with mountains of evidence to prove the opposite, including the awards that he received from black prestigious black organizations in his entire professional life prior to becoming a Republican candidate for president and now a Republican incumbent president. Prior to that, he used to get awards from African-American organizations for all his great work in the black community. But he's the one being called a racist while Joe Biden sits back in the basement hoping he never has to speak before the election Because his own latent racism is going to be exposed. Now, there was a time when it wasn't even hidden by Joe Biden when he literally said publicly that letting black kids be bussed into white school districts to go to school with the white kids would create something that he didn't want for his kids a racial jungle. Let me say that again. He said this. It is directly quoted. It is very well documented. He said that would create a racial jungle that he didn't want his kids to be a part of. The idea that referring to black kids creating a jungle should be a massive, huge red flag for anybody. And it would be if anybody other than Joe Biden had said it. Because it, because it is extraordinarily offensive. It is... It is a, uh, it is just the kind of thing that you cannot be excused. It cannot be explained away, especially in this current cancel culture. When somebody tweets something 15, uh, 15 years ago, I guess, thinking of the depth of Twitter and the history of Twitter, 15 years ago, people are looking at it and saying, oh, look what this guy tweeted 15 years ago. Or look what this guy wrote 15 years ago. You're canceled now from your current job. Oh, George Washington you know, hundreds of years ago, uh, in addition to being the father of the United States of America, the man who literally made the greatest nation on earth possible, he also was a slave owner. Cancel him. Tear down his statues. Well, here's Joe Biden just about three, four decades ago uh, saying uh, that uh, black kids going into a white school would create a racial jungle. And that's not reason to cancel him. How about just ten years ago when Joe Biden was the... Uh, uh, prime, primary speaker, the man who delivered the eulogy at the funeral of former KKK exalted cyclops, Senator Robert Byrd, a fellow Democrat. How about the number of times Joe Biden has praised and defended his association with and his affinity for segregationists? How about the time that Joe Biden talked about Barack Obama bursting onto the scene as the first clean and articulate black candidate to ever come around (laughs) clean and articulate you don't find too many blacks like that was joe biden's sentiment i mean we have seen this time and time again just three months ago joe biden in an interview with a black radio host said to him if you don't vote for me you ain't black Meaning black people, you all have to be the same. You all have to have the same mindset. Blacks vote for people like me. Blacks vote for Joe Biden. Blacks vote for Democrats. Just completely dismissing the concept of independent thinking among black people. Right? Then there was three days ago when Joe Biden responded to a black interviewer asking him if he had ever taken a cognitive test to kind of, you know, answer the questions about his apparently declining mental faculties. And his response to the black questioner was, uh, did you take a cocaine test before you did this interview? Are you a junkie? if Donald Trump had asked a black interviewer if he had taken a cocaine test? And now we get to the most recent. Now we know 100% why Joe Biden spends... 23 hours a day in the basement without anybody being around him with a microphone. Because when he speaks, his deeply held beliefs about black people start to bubble to the surface. When he speaks, his latent racism rises. And yesterday was the latest example.
2: Yes, and by the way, what you all know, but most people don't know... Unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about different things. Unlike black people, the Latino
1: community is incredibly diverse with diverse attitudes about different things. Black people, (laughs) they're all the same. Black people are all the same. They all think the same way. Black people all have the same attitudes about the same things. He literally said, unlike African Americans, Latinos are diverse people with diverse attitudes. Blacks, y'all act alike. Y'all think alike. And you know, in the back of his head, he was probably pondering, y'all look alike. This is Joe Biden Not edited tape. This is Joe Biden's explanation of his belief about what African-Americans and Latinos are like in
2: terms of their diversity. Unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about different things. Unedited. That's
1: the real of Joe Biden. That's Joe Biden at 100 percent authenticity unlike african americans latinos are diverse and latinos have different attitudes about different things blacks all think alike blacks are all alike that's why i can say in an interview with a black man if you don't vote for me you ain't black because you know all blacks
2: have to think alike Y'all have to think like me, and y'all have to support me. Unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about different things. So this was so bad for the Biden campaign
1: yesterday. I can imagine being one of his handlers and being one of his, uh, uh, his PR people. Every time he speaks, just automatically at the ready trying to how do we cover this how do we undo the damage said by this particular interview because he knows they all know something is coming so the damage this time was well he still has more interviews scheduled today we need you to walk that back we need you to clean that up sir go out there and do another interview and please fix it this is joe biden's attempt to walk back his own racism And even when attempting to walk back his own racism, he ends up
2: doubling down on it. We can build a new administration that reflects the full diversity of our nation and the full diversity of Latino communities. Now, when I mean full diversity, unlike the African-American community and many other communities. He did it again. From everywhere, from Europe, from the tip of South America, all the way to our border in uh, Mexico, and in in the caribbean and different backgrounds different different ethnicities but all latinos his attempt to walk back his racism we can build a new administration no no no
1: i've heard it already his attempt to walk back his own racism ended up in him doubling down on his racism latinos are diverse Unlike African-Americans and some other communities, I don't know why he threw that in there, but obviously to attempt to walk back his his singling out of African-Americans for being monolithic. But unlike African-Americans, Latinos come from many different places. They come from Europe, the tip of South America, from Mexico. They're all different places, he said, very diverse places. Indicating what? All black people come from where? Africa? Africa? Africa is not a city, Joe. Africa is not a nation. Africa is a continent with many different countries filled with many different people who come from many different cultures that are very, very diverse. And you think they all are alike because they all look the same. Your mindset, Joe Biden's mindset is, look, they all come from the same place, from Africa. Therefore, they're not diverse. They're not diverse in their attitudes. They're not diverse in their thoughts. They're not diverse in in anything. They're all the same. Joe Biden's racism cannot be hidden. He cannot hide his racism unless he does one thing. Hide in the basement. When he's public... He is espousing his racism, and he cannot control himself, even when trying to walk back his own racism. So since he can't speak without letting his racism come forth, what does he do instead? He takes to Twitter, or has one of his handlers go to Twitter to type what he can't say. That, no, really, I'm not a racist. I really don't think that all blacks are, are, are a monolith. I really don't think that. He can't. Get himself to say it because it's not what he deeply believes. So he has a handler do it on Twitter. This is it's uh, nine twenty two. This is the Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer.
0: It's the Bob France Authority here on AM fourteen twenty the answer
1: okay 926 i want to get a little bit of reaction to what i just played for you uh it is open lines so whatever you want to say is fair game but i would like some reactions from you here's a reaction by the way from eric trump
2: listen i mean what can you say what can you say about biden and you know no one covers in the media other than you sean it's absolute travesty you know when he says that the black community is not diverse it's one-dimensional when he comes out with this nonsense i mean could you imagine if donald trump said that and You know what, the media doesn't even want to cover it. I mean, that's how biased, that's how in their corner, you know, they are. It's disgusting. This guy doesn't have the mental capacity to be commander-in-chief.
1: of. He's right. He doesn't. And he's right about the media not covering it. The media, if they covered it all, instead, give him a pass on this. Not Leo Terrell. Joe Joe Biden is unfit to be president, and Joe Biden is a racist. Joe Biden has the mindset of a plantation owner. He thinks he knows how every black person thinks, what we how we walk, what we should eat. Joe Biden doesn't understand that black people are individuals. Condoleezza Rice and Al Sharpton are different individuals. We have a different mindset. And <laughs> what the Democrats will do is they'll roll out Jim Kleinberg and he say it's okay. Jim Kleinberg doesn't speak for me or Larry or Black American. No, one black person speaks for black america but joe biden thinks they do joe biden thinks all black people think alike they don't have diversity of thought the way latinos do they don't have diversity of ideas and attitudes they're all alike i mean again what donald if donald trump had said something like this it's wall to wall coverage of such a thing ask sarah huckabee sanders
2: Oh, it would be wall-to-wall. We wouldn't hear anything but that. Uh,
3: The hypocrisy from the media is truly astonishing. I'd love to say I'm surprised, but I'm not, because it's what they have been doing since the day that Donald Trump came down the escalator. They have applied a total double standard to everything that has to do with him they've given joe biden and every other democrat a complete pass
1: there's no question about it just look at the coverage of this if they speak of it at all it is to defend him and say well it was just inartful that's what joe scarborough uh said on uh on his uh show he said that, literally, it was it was inartful. It wasn't inaccurate, it was just inartful the way he said it. Hogan Gidley is the press secretary for Trump 2020.
2: I'm not sure why uh, Joe Biden continues to be given cover by the mainstream media for the things he says. Listen, if Donald Trump gets a biased Unfair, ridiculous question from the media and calls them fake news. The media goes apoplectic. But Joe Biden can literally accuse a reporter of being a cocaine junkie and say that all African Americans are the same, and the media says nothing about it. It's absolutely ridiculous. I wish they gave us the same level of cover and protection. If we, there's one thing we know about the media, it's not just that they're liberal, it's that they protect their own. And make no mistake, Joe Biden is one
1: of them. There's no question about that. And one final one real quick before the bottom of the hour news. Um, African-Americans are starting to wise up to this. Young African-Americans in particular are walking away from the Democrat plantation. They are losing. The Democrats are losing young African-American voters because they are tired of this type of, of mindset. Well, look, every once in a while, the the veneer of tolerance and
2: inclusivity slips and Democrats let you know who they really are and how they really feel about black Americans. Joe Biden is saying that black Americans are too stupid to have diversity
1: of thought. He is saying that our community is not as diverse in our thought as other communities. And by the way, this comes just a few months after he said that you ain't black if you don't vote for him. That's Rob Smith from Turning Point USA, which is a millennial organization, essentially, run by Charlie Kirk. He is a black man, is Rob Smith, and he said, we're done. We're tired of this. So do the statistics, so do the polls. They say the same thing. All right, I got more coming up for you right after the news on AM 1420, The Answer. The Answer, now heard through downtown, through greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM. Well pretty sure this is not the answer but this is what is being proposed thanks for being with us 936 um i want to pivot uh, because there's two major stories today by the way you notice one of the stories that i am not talking about today is uh, governor mike dewine's positive covid test yesterday followed by his negative covid test yesterday uh i've got a billion thoughts on that but i only have a short show that comes in third on the list of priorities today joe biden is number one and this is number two this is an op-ed in the usa today You know, yesterday I talked to Admiral Bredgerwa, who is a member of the uh, Coronavirus Response Task Force in the White House, and I asked him directly if he believes that any vaccine that is created will be mandated by federal government. He said no. He does not believe that will be the case or should be the case. These three professors at our own very, very left, Case Western Reserve University, disagree. They have written an op-ed for USA Today. Dr. Michael Letterman is a professor of medicine at Case. Dr., uh, or excuse me, not Dr., but Maxwell Melman is a professor of law at Case. And Dr. Stuart Youngner is a professor of bioethics at Case. They put their little heads together, did these three learned academics, and they wrote this for USA Today Defeat COVID 19 by requiring vaccination for all. It's not un American. It's patriotic. To win this war against the novel coronavirus that has now killed over 158,000 people in this country, the only answer is compulsory vaccination for all of us. And while the measures that will be necessary to defeat the coronavirus will seem draconian, even anti-American to some, we believe that there is no alternative. Simply put, getting vaccinated is going to be our patriotic duty. The reason... When an effective vaccine is available for COVID-19, it will only defeat the pandemic if it is widely used, creating herd immunity. It is important to note that during an epidemic, there is no threshold above which the protection conferred by herd immunity cannot be improved. Thus, the more people who are immunized, the lower the risk for all of us, including those who are not vaccinated. Nor is there an alternative to vaccine-induced herd immunity in a pandemic. Relying on enough people becoming infected and then immune is dangerous as exemplified by the swedish swedish experience where the covid-19 mortality rate exceeds that of its more cautious neighbors broad induction of immunity in the population by immunization will be necessary to end this pandemic in simple terms a refu- listen to this in simple terms a refusal to be vaccinated threatens the lives of others so here's what americans must do when a vaccine is ready one make vaccinations free and easily accessible Two, exempt only those with medical contraindications to immunization. It is likely that more than one vaccine platform will prove effective, as was the case for the polio vaccines. And as a result, medical conditions that prohibit all COVID-19 vaccines will be rare. Three, do not honor religious objections. The major religions do not officially oppose vaccinations. I'll come back to some of these but just hear the emphasis Four, do not allow objections for personal preference, which violate the social contract. (laughs) I'll come back to that too. How can government write these three case Western reserve professors for USA today? How can government and society assure compliance with protective vaccines? Vaccine refusers could lose tax credits or be denied non-essential government benefits. Health insurers could levy higher premiums for those refusing immunization, and by refusing immunization, place themselves and others at risk, as is the case with smokers. Private businesses could refuse to employ or serve unvaccinated individuals. Schools could refuse to allow unimmunized children to attend classes. Public and commercial transit companies, airlines, trains, and buses could exclude refusers. Public and private auditoriums could require evidence of immunization for entry. The only legal limitation on government on pro- or private action is that it not be discriminatory. And it's hard to see how discrimination would occur if vaccinations were free and accessible to all. How then should immunizations be documented? A registry of immunizations will be needed, with names entered after immunization is completed. Adequate immunizations may require more than a single vaccination, and the durability of protection by different vaccines may vary and may not be lifelong, requiring periodic booster immunizations. In other words, they want you to take the needle now, and then if they tell you, Five years from now, yeah, you know, that other one isn't going to last very long. We need you to come back and get something else jammed into your body. You just have to do it. Thus, immunized persons will need to receive expiration date stamped certification cards, which should be issued to all who are immunized in the country, whether here legally or not. You must show us your papers. These measures may seem draconian and would be costly, but ensuring universal vaccination is a negligible sacrifice compared with the costs, deaths, and social upheaval that a sustained pandemic is having on our country. We acknowledge that the refusal to obey rules one considers unjust is an American tradition, but another cornerstone of the American tradition is that we come together when it's necessary. The best example of this was during the two world wars. Everyone contributed. No one was allowed to opt out merely because it conflicted with their sense of autonomy. And draft dodgers who refused to serve were subject to penalties. You're going to be drafted into the immunization room. True, conscientious objectors could refuse to use weapons for religious reasons, but they were obligated to help out in other ways. Serving in non-combatant roles, there are no such alternatives for vaccination. Again, this was an op-ed. I read it in its entirety. In USA Today, by Dr. Letterman, professor of medicine, Maxwell Melman, professor of law, and Dr. Jungner, professor of bioethics, all at our very own Cleveland institution, Case Western Reserve University. So I reached out to another doctor at Case Western Reserve University, Dr. John Davidson. Dr. Davidson is also pro-vaccine, but he is outraged at the suggestion that they should be mandated and even more outraged at the suggestion that there should be punishment for those who refuse to be vaccinated. He's going to join me next to discuss right here on AM 1420, The Answer. AM 1420. The answer. Yeah, pretty good song here. I don't fear the reaper. Not at all. Not from a virus that has a 99 plus percent survival rate for people under 70 who are uh, and without comorbidities. Yeah, there are vulnerable popu- uh, segments of our population, but that is not the vast majority of the population. So why should the vast majority of the population think about getting this vaccination? Uh, let me start with this quickly before I bring Dr. Davidson on. Kind of Fortuitous, I guess, the timeliness of this poll. A new Yahoo News YouGov poll has found that the number of Americans willing to submit to a coronavirus vaccine is dropping drastically. In early May, 55% said they would take a vaccine. In late May, that had dropped to 50%. Now, mind you, this is as the virus started its spread and was at its most severe When lockdowns were happening left and right, it went from 55% to 50% to 46% in July. And now here in early August, it's down to 42% say they plan to get the coronavirus vaccine when it becomes available. Well... They're not going to have a choice in the America put forth by Case Western Reserve University, at least three of their prominent professors. I gave you their names before, Letterman, Melman, and Youngner. And now I bring you Dr. Davidson. Dr. John Davidson is also a medical professor at Case Western, as well as a practicing physician at University Hospitals. And he's got some thoughts on all of this. Dr. Davidson, good to talk to you again. How are you?
3: Good, Bob. Thanks for having me back on.
1: Yes, sir. Uh, I thought of you immediately last night when I read the op-ed uh, to myself that I just read on the air to our listeners. Because I know you're pro-vaccine, but I also know you are pro-liberty. And people should have the liberty to choose what kinds of care they provide for themselves, especially when it comes to something like this. But your colleagues wrote a piece for USA Today that said not only must all Americans do this, no exceptions for religious liberty, no exceptions for personal health care choices, everybody must do it and must be given a card showing your your vaccination and your immunization in order to engage in commerce or travel or be accepted into buildings uh, in their version of America. Dr. Davidson, your response?
3: Well, a lot to digest there, right? I know. <laughs> As you know you know we 've talked several times off the air that i I am pro vaccine. I think that we need to to have the vast majority of Americans at some point take the vaccine to get rid of this virus. Do I want it mandated? No, absolutely not because of the poll you just cited, and I bet you when you poll after you start seeing opinion pieces like this it 's going to go down even more you know i 'm very sensitive to the fact that people have serious concerns about taking a vaccine, number one, you just quoted the fatality numbers aren't that high, and number two, how are we going to be able to trust whether it's safe and effective? And you're not going to be able to tr- be able to get that long-term data, because when the vaccine comes out, it's going to come out, and you're not going to have years and years and decades worth of data to see if it's safe. So it all comes down to ultimate trust, potentially educating the public, seeing how it's rolled out, seeing the numbers, and being able to trust what's being put out. Mandating, by any means, is just going to drive the opposition away. The anti-vax movement has gained a lot of traction. This is not helping. This is going to make them feel even more isolated, and it's going to dissuade them from taking this even more.
1: Uh, I think that's well said, uh, and I certainly respect your viewpoint, your medical viewpoint. I would never censor or silence someone's medical viewpoint when they are a medical professional, the way that the big tech companies have done with other doctors. Um, I don't necessarily think, uh, well, I shouldn't say I don't necessarily think most people should be vaccinated. I just think it should be 100% up to them. You asked me privately, Dr. Davidson, whether or not I would take the vaccine if and when it's available, and I think your caveat was if it was proven by the FDA to be safe and effective. And my response was, safe and effective against what? Because I'm not concerned about right now, I'm concerned about long-term effects. Your response was, well, you don't know what the long-term effects are going to be because we don't have time to wait for a long-term to pass in order to find out. And that's why people should have their choice, right?
3: They should. It's all a circular argument. We've been back and forth with this many times off the air. The whole problem with this whole argument is, individual civil liberties and public health. The mm-hmm. two don't go together. They just don't. They conflict all the time. Look throughout history. When the smallpox epidemic hit back in the late 1800s and early 1900s, there's actually Supreme Court decisions. There's a famous Supreme Court decision in 1905 that, guess what, voted 7-2 to two in favor of the vaccine, saying that civil liberties should be restricted in the time, times of a pandemic. Now, put it a little bit into perspective. Smallpox at that time had a fatality rate of about 17%. So a little bit different. Uh, we didn't have long-term data on a smallpox vaccine in 1905. We certainly have it now, but we didn't have it in 1905. We didn't have long-term data when the polio vaccine first came out. We do now. So, again, it's not like there's not going to be any data for this vaccine. They are undergoing phase three clinical trials as we speak. Mm -hmm. So you have to develop some trust in our FDA to say that right now they are safe and effective.
1: Dr. John Davidson is my guest. He is a uh, uh, professor of medicine at Case Western Reserve University, and he's also a physician at university hospitals. So what is your reaction to not only their direction that all Americans, talking about your colleagues, all Americans must take this vaccine with no exceptions, possibly with the exception of people? How did he describe? How did they describe it? the only exception would be, and I'm looking for medical,
3: the, some to, medical issues. Or.
1: Yeah. I, I can't, I can't remember exactly what the phrasing was here and I can't find it at the moment, but the only thing that would be allowed would be, uh, would be if somebody is potentially putting their life in danger if they, if they take the vaccine. But, uh, They're they're saying that everybody must do it, and if they don't, severe penalties must result. No tax, uh, you know, you may lose tax exemptions. Uh, You may you may be denied entry into buildings. You may be denied uh, the ability to engage in commerce, to travel, to get on a plane or a bus or a train or any of these kinds of things. That you must be punished into compliance. Your thoughts
3: can't do it we just can't do that in this country i mean it's not going to work it's an opinion piece i'm surprised the usa today ran something like this to be honest with you but it is a it's an opinion piece um going back to your original um you know question about id cards saying you've been vaccinated yeah it could poke all kinds of holes in that because we don't even know how long a, a vaccination or immuni- immunization is going to last i mean there's some out there that will say it'll only last a couple months so what are we going to do? Are we going to keep giving somebody a different card? or Are we going to date it every three months? Now you pass passed
1: this. They stuff, literally stuff. say that. They, they literally well, say
3: exactly that. It's, it's, yeah, I didn't read it that carefully. Yeah,
1: that's okay. Let me, let me give you that portion of it, doctor, just so you can respond uh, um, with the information. Um, how, uh, how then should immunizations be documented, they ask. A registry of immunizations will be needed with names entered after immunization is completed. Adequate immunization may require more than a single vaccination, and the durability of protection is different, or by different vaccines may vary and may not be lifelong, requiring periodic booster immunizations. Thus, immunized persons will need to receive expiration date stamped certification cards, which should be issued to all who are immunized in the country, whether here legally or not. Your so
3: two, two issues one is this vaccine is likely going to need a booster vaccine from everything I've been reading so far anyways, based on the fact that we've seen antibodies just kind of fade away and disappear after a couple months. So that's definitely possible. But the fact that you need to have an ID card or a stamp every time you're immunized to get into a public place, it's just, it's not, first of all, it's complete pie in the sky. It'll never happen in this country. And all it's doing, an opinion piece like this, is just going to further distance. Get the, it's going to get more people that are not going to want to take a vaccine. In my
1: opinion, You know, it's interesting. You and I have also had many a debate off the air about the well, the efficacy of masks and also just, again, the, you know, the, the implications of personal liberty and personal choice of masking during this pandemic. Uh, and, and this is the argument that so many people have made and myself included in some of our interactions, Dr. You know, the idea that forcing 330 million people to wear masks by order of government under the guise of public health is just the first step toward getting 330 million Americans to roll up their arms. Remember what you were willing to do for public health by covering your face in all public places? Well, this is the same thing. Now you've got to take this next step of patriotic activity. This is, by the way, in the headline. It's not un-American. It's patriotic. ...to get this required vaccination. I I feel, you know, a lot of people, Doctor, feel like that's what the masking is. It's a training ground for, hey, you do what government tells you to do because of public health.
3: Look, Bob, I don't disagree with any of those premises. It goes back to my point that individual health and individual choice contradicts public health in certain respects. And you got we got to be able to find that middle ground somewhere and we got to be able to trust people that are giving us the information that it's correct. Now I'll be the first to tell you that there's been a lot of misinformation out there. You know, it's not helped by all the social media, all the all the, you know, different channels and news media that we have today. But there's so much information out there and sometimes misinformation that we don't know what to trust. So if you don't trust if you have a war, if we're getting invaded, we're getting bombed, it's pretty clear that this is a public issue that everybody, you know, the authors of that article talked about wartime. This is the same yeah. as wartime. I don't agree with that because you don't have that that enemy that's here. I mean, you can call this an enemy, but you quoted the fatality numbers. They're not that high. It's not going to affect the vast majority of the population. But guess what? It is going to affect the vulnerable part of the population. And if you have a public health expert, public health, that's what you got to look at. You got to look at the health as a whole and how to better serve the community. Unfortunately, Who's going to control government health? Government or public health. It's going to be government. So there's this vast contradiction between individual rights, individual health, individual civil liberties, and what's good for the public health.
1: I'm glad you brought that up about the war analogy that they made. Uh, they talked about essentially the draft. That that in a time like this, in a time of you know desperation, uh, people come together and uh, they you know they had to be drafted. And then they actually talked about draft dodgers who refused to serve and were subject to penalties. Thus, people who avoid the draft into the examination room to take the needle should be subject to penalties. Then the then and they closed it with this doctor. And I don't know if you read this or not. Conscientious objectors could refuse to use weapons for religious reasons, but they were obligated to help out in other ways, serving in non-combat roles. There are no such alternatives to vaccination. So, in other words, no conscientious objectors, objections or objectors uh, should be allowed in this, uh, in this vaccination effort.
3: Yeah, I mean, there are other ways. I mean, there are ways to mitigate. You know, you guys don't believe, you don't necessarily believe in masks, but I can tell you, even with the influenza vaccine, as a healthcare worker, we are mandated to take it, right? But we don't have to. It's not 100% mandated. We could refuse it, but then we have to wear a mask anytime we're within, you know, three to six feet of a patient. So they can't force me even to get an influenza vaccine, but there are other ways to mitigate it. Whether you believe those those ways are right or not, there are other ways, such as masking, such as socially such as doing whatever you need to do to potentially mitigate it. Now, you may not agree with those things, but there are other ways to potentially mitigate it than having to subject yourself to a vaccine that in your opinion, could cause bodily harm.
1: Right. And I'm not saying it will. I'm just saying, well, you know, this is what I said to you when you asked me if I would take this. And I said, no, not until several years go by and we see what long-term ramifications going on. And I feel comfortable saying that because of the mortality rate that we talked about, the fact that the vast majority of people who get this are asymptomatic. And those who do get symptoms kind of go, they recover in about the same period of time it would take a flu. It's only those with comorbidities and, again, advanced age end up in very serious situations.
3: But let me leave you with this cuz I know you probably got to go but yes, let me sir. leave you with this we don't know what the long term ramifications of this virus are yet either so don't forget, very true. As- don't forget that don't forget that aspect of it we see a lot of healthy people we don't know what the long term ramifications of this virus are going to be
1: You're right. And that's why, doctor, I'll go back to a point of agreement between the two of us. That's why they cannot mandate this vaccine, because people should be able to decide for themselves. Do I want to wait and see and compare the long term ramifications of the virus with the long term ramifications of the the vaccine? And then I'll make make that decision for myself. That has to be the way in a free country.
3: And I agree. Uh, I, I, I say we don't mandate, and I say that we just go out there and educate and inform as best as we can and let people make their own decisions.
1: I agree with that wholeheartedly. Dr. John Davidson, Case Western Reserve, do me a favor. Call a staff meeting and uh, set your uh, set your colleagues straight, okay? <laughs>
3: Thanks, Bob. Thanks, <laughs> Take doctor. Care.
1: All Dr. Right. John Davidson on AM 1420, The Answer. Yeah, it's his three Case Western Reserve University professor colleagues who wrote this, Affront to Liberty in USA Today.